Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. Fantastic, fantastic. We are in a series called Overwhelmed. Somebody say Overwhelmed. And I don't know if you were able to tune in last week. Uh, We kicked it off and we talked about worry. We talked about stress. We talked about anxiety. Did that help anybody? Did anybody receive anything? Yeah, I think this series, I really believe, is going to be one of the most practical, helpful series that we've done as a church. Aren't you glad the Bible speaks right to where we live? I think today's topic, in fact, it's so plug and play, you're going to be able to hear the message today and plug it right into your, excuse me, hold on. Oh, it's my girl. Hey. Yeah. (laughs) What's up, man? She loves me. This girl's crazy about me, man. Especially when I preach. She just drives her nuts. Hey. How many of you are thankful that Rachel picks out my clothes? Yeah. (laughs) Hi, holla, holla. Oh, can somebody say preach, preacher? Yeah, she knows how it rolls. Come on, somebody. Hunka, hunka. Burning love. Yes, indeed. So anyway, okay, I apologize for that. Um, But the the topic today, I think, is really, I think it's going to help us because so many times in life, there's so much stuff that's, uh, I'm I'm sorry, give me just a second here. Oh, Pastor David, right? Let's see what our Highland Campus pastor is saying. Kind of doing something amazing right now. Incredible word. Happens right in the middle of church. Okay. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. A lot of things have happened at HPC, but I've never seen that one. <laughs> God bless our kids. Anything for the children. <laughs> please take care of it, please. Leave it to Pastor David Ray to fix it. Okay. So anyway, like I was saying, today's topic, I think, is going to be right on point for many of us. Excuse me. Oh, our Denham Springs campus pastor, Pastor Ryan. Everybody needs something. Really? You guys don't notice anything, do you?
I'm just not seeing it. I'm not seeing it. Yeah. I don't think anybody here is messed up, are they? Uh, you guys can multitask. You guys can roll with it. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, good call. It, 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 any, does anybody notice what the topic today is going to be? Yeah, oh yes. Today, in this series called Overwhelmed, we're going to talk about overcoming the noise of distractions. How many of you know somebody, you're related to somebody, or you are that somebody who needs to hear this message today? Let me see your hands. Oh yes, indeed. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is for you. I think this may be one of the most important installments of this entire series because the devil is the king of distractions. Come on, can you hum at me today? Mm. Mm -mm -mm. You see, the devil knows that if he can't stop you, that he'll at least get you busy and distracted. So, I mean, you may have tons of potential, but if you're distracted, you'll never walk into the fullness of that power. The devil can neutralize the power of a believer simply by keeping him busy. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And he's done this from the very beginning of time. If you want to read in Genesis, and, and Adam and Eve are in this, this garden of paradise. It's called the Garden of Eden, and they're in perfect, sinless fellowship with God enjoying unbroken, unbridled unity in the cool of the day, walking and talking and sharing life and eternal purpose. And here comes the devil and says, hey, hey, check out this fruit over here. Hey, I, 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 check, check, check this out. Hey, you see this? You see, God said don't eat. But I'm going to tell you what, if you eat that, you'll become just like God. What was the devil doing? He was distracting them. If, if, if we get off of focus and, and we get onto some sort of tangent, the enemy can draw us away from eternal purpose. I think this is going to be one of the most important installments because many of you are here today and you're just getting started. You're trying to get started into a new season, but you're struggling to find traction because of distraction. You're struggling to get your feet underneath you and move forward because you're constantly here, there. Everything is vying for your attention. Some of you are trying to go to the, new, to the next level in your faith, but you're unable to because you simply can't focus. And I think the devil will use distraction to neutralize the power of God in our lives. We can be good people going in a great direction, pursuing eternal purpose, but it can all be delayed because we're simply distracted. I thought about, you know, even when I played basketball, you know, it's amazing how you would go into your opposing, your opponent's gym, and it was a hostile environment, and you step up to the free throw line, and you've done it 10,000 times. You know the routine. You've practiced it over and over again, but the whole gym is coming down on you. And they're yelling at you. And, man, you're kind of trying to block all that out. And they're saying stuff about your mama and how she wears combat boots. And, <laughs> and you're just trying to zone in. If they can get your attention and move it away from your purpose, then when you shoot, you'll miss the mark. And some of you are missing the mark. Not because you're bad. Not because you're doing anything wrong. But you're simply distracted. 
And I want to give you some practical things today. I want to speak right where we live, okay? If you're taking notes, because we all know that history makers are note takers. Right out the gate, I want to talk to you about staying on point. Here's how we can stay on point. Number one, eliminate so you can elevate. Eliminate so you can elevate. How many of you want to come up higher in your faith? How many of you in your heart, you feel like God has something great for you and you're trying to go to the next level? Okay, if you want to elevate, you're going to have to eliminate some things. Now, under this point, there are three simple thoughts that I want to give you. Here's some things that we need to eliminate. And the first is this, drama. Mm. Come on, somebody say, save the drama for your mama. Yes, now what is it about drama? Have you noticed that people who do drama are emotionally expensive? Yeah, and I don't know about you, but I only have so much in my emotional bank account, and I can't afford this kind of thing in my life. People who do drama will put demands on you that you never asked for. Oh, yeah, you never agreed to, but here comes drama. I'm going to tell you this. I've learned uh, as it relates to drama, drama has nothing to do with the facts. Zero to do with facts, and it has everything to do with the story that's rooted in somebody's head. You see, in drama, somebody's always the villain. Normally, it's you. And somebody else is always the victim. Come on, are you with me? Amen. See, d- drama can get us off point. Now, we don't invite it, but do we allow it? See, in in Nehemiah, I want you to read this with me. I love this verse in Nehemiah chapter 6. Just just to give you some context here, God had anointed Nehemiah to go back to the city of Jerusalem and rebuild the walls. The city had uh, had, had been burned, it had been torn down, it had been destroyed by the Babylonians, and here comes Nehemiah with the assignment to reconstruct and to rebuild the purposes of God in the city of Jerusalem. So in his building project, he has people coming against him. I want you to know, let me stop right here and say this. As God is building something significant in your life, I want you to know that you will have enemies that will come against you. And they'll try to distract you. They'll try to get you off purpose. And here's what it says in Nehemiah chapter 6, starting with verse 2. So Sanballat and Geshem sent a message asking me, asking me to meet them at one of the villages in the plain of Oh No. <laughs> did, you, did you see that? I'm not making this up. This is your Bible. Okay, so you got Sambalat and, and Geshem, these two enemies. They're saying, hey, Nehemiah, come meet us over here in this little village on the plain of Oh No, you didn't. <laughs> the devil's going to bring drama into your life, and you need to say, Oh, 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 no, 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 not, not today. Look at what it says. But I realized they were plotting to harm me. So I replied by sending this message to them. I am engaged in a great work. Come on, somebody say great work. I am engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? Now, let me pause right here and say this. When you respond to drama, you become part of the cast. 
When you respond to drama, then you're pressing pause on the plans of God in your life, and you're meddling over here into stuff that's not going to do you any good. Come on, holla, holla, holla. Are you with me? Now, I love how the Bible is so practical. You know, Nehemiah is getting baited, and some of you, the enemy has baited you, and he's trying to use it as a diversion. You've been on point. You've been learning. You've been growing. You've made commitments, and the devil knows he can't stop you, so he's saying, come on down here into the plane of, oh, no, let's talk about this. The Bible says four times. Everybody say four. Four times they sent the same message, and each time I gave the same reply. I want you to know, just because drama calls doesn't mean that you have to answer. In fact, the next time you see drama calling on your caller ID, send it to voicemail. Or maybe block the number. Hello. Why? Because you're doing a great work. You're on the wall. Stay on the wall. Don't get distracted. Because the building project stops when you come down off the wall and you engage in the drama that's around you. Now, here's, here, here's what I begin to understand. If you allow all of the talk to get in your ear, then it can lodge in your head. And then it goes from your head and it drops into your heart. And when that stuff gets in your heart, then you drop down to their level. No, 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 no. We're going higher. God's built. Hey, if you want to elevate, you're going to have to eliminate certain things that you're going to have to just say, no, no, not not going to happen. Not today. I know normally, yes, but no, not today. In fact, I, I dare you to tell him this. Hey, it's not my circus. It's not my monkeys. Y'all going down the road, right? How many of you got your own craziness happening? You don't need to borrow somebody else's craziness. Come on, somebody say, not my circus. Say, those aren't my monkeys. Say, move on down the road. (laughs) I love it. I love it. When you allow drama to come into your world, it distracts you. Just because somebody has given you this, I want to tell you this. You don't have to answer all of your critics. You don't have to. Not every statement deserves a response. Can I say that again? Because some of you, the devil's baiting you and kind of putting it out there, and you'll hear something, somebody will say something, and all that is is bait. It's bait to get you off the wall. And God's saying, no, 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 you're doing a great work. Just because they said it doesn't mean that I need to respond to it. In fact, Jesus said it this way in Matthew 7. He said, don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to the pigs. Come on, somebody say amen. Oh, don't cast your pearls to swine, the Bible says. They will trample those pearls, and then they will turn and attack you. Somebody say eliminate so you can elevate. Drama is one of the things that you got to cut out of your life. The second area under this point, I want to say this in a loving way, but in in the most pastoral way possible, manage your media intake. Manage your media intake, okay? And, and I know we had this little cute little illustration with the cell phone. i tell you this. In all honesty, I love technology. I love how you can be dialed into certain things. You can be connected to certain people. There, there, there's powerful, positive potential in technology. I enjoy knowing what's going on. 
but I don't enjoy knowing what everybody thinks about what's going on. Are you with me? This, this can be a dangerous thing as well. This has created a culture. Watch this. This has created a culture of access and excess. Access, I mean, at just a click of a button. I mean, you can, one little link. I mean, you just press on something and boom. I mean, there's access and there's excess. But God's best can be found in boundaries and balance. Everybody say boundaries. Say balance. So I'm not saying you have to totally get off of social media. Now, maybe God's telling you to take some time away. Unplug. Go off the grid. I think that's great. And I'm not preaching about how evil this is. This is simply a tool. But we have to bring it into the stewardship of Jesus and say, Lord, talk to me about how much time I'm spending on this. Because if we're not careful, God's trying to talk to us, but we're like this. Instead of like this, we're like this. And we're here, life is passing us by, but we've got our nose in a phone living vicariously through other people. Oh, it's getting quiet in here. I'm stepping on some toes today, huh? It's amazing what will happen if you, because I talk to people all the time and say, you know what, I'm just kind of, I was, went on Instagram, started scrolling. Next thing you know, 30 minutes turn into an hour and a half. How many have ever wasted time just on social media? Yeah, it's like, man, well, I, I had things to be doing, and man, I, whoa, I got so drawn in. And if you're not careful, two things will happen. You'll either get jealous of what you see everybody else doing, or you'll get judgmental of what you see everybody. You're not hearing me. You're not hearing me. You're not hearing me. You're not hearing me. You get jealous. I want their life. I want to do, man, how do they get those opportunities? And man, something inside of you starts to die. There's a little toxicity. Or you get judgmental. Huh, that person's just so narcissistic. They quote themselves. Every person who quotes themselves, they make it all about them. They're the center of the universe. And now, do you see how you're getting distracted now? You're more wrapped up into the chaos of their world, and you've invited it into your world. We've got to manage our media intake. You know, the thing about media is media will give you information, but it can't give you revelation. And guess what? We need more than information in this day and age. We need revelation. Some of you are fighting some battles, and media will not do a single thing to solve it. But you're going to need the Word of God. You're going to need to say, God, what is your revelation on my situation? Because I, I thank God for Twitter, thank God for Instagram, and thank God for Facebook. But, Lord, what do you have to say to me about my job, about my future, about my decisions, about my kids? Come on, can I have a good amen? amen. See, too many times we're all concerned about Facebook when God says, you need to put your face in the book. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Turn to your neighbor and say, I know he really loves me, but that hurts. (laughs) Manage this stuff. Manage it. I'm not trying to put you on a guilt trip if you've got a, a social media account. But we have to maintain boundaries and balance if we're going to stay on point. So watch out when it comes to drama. Manage your media intake. And then here's the third thing under this first idea. Learn the power of saying no. 
Okay. Permission to speak honestly? Okay, everybody say permission granted. Okay. Some of you are like, what, Mike, you haven't been honest all this time? (laughs) Yes, I have been. But now I'm getting ready to be very self-revealing. Saying no is one of the most difficult things for me because by nature I am a people pleaser. I am. And it bothers me when I know somebody out there is disappointed with me. Am I alone on this? How many of you, you lose sleep when you know that somebody is disappointed with you? Yes, it's like, oh. And so out of that, that need to please, I will say yes to anything and everything because I want to keep you happy. I want you to be happy. And so, man, if you're happy, then I'll feel better about myself. But what I don't realize is in, in my efforts to make you happy, I am miserable on the inside. And I have said yes way too many times. And I don't know how to say no. I need to be saying no more. Now, some of you, it's not that you're afraid to say no. You just don't know how to say it well. Somebody say, I can't. Say, I won't. Say, I don't. Turn your neighbor and say, no. Come on, say it with a little attitude. Say, no. Didn't that feel liberating? Guess what? We're okay. I said, no, and I'm still okay. Are you, wait, wait, wait. Mike, are you saying that when I say no, I may disappoint people? <laughs> Isn't it awesome? Yes! Yeah, you know, of course you're going to disappoint people. Some of you, you can't live with that, and so you've been saying yes to things that God has not told you to do. Now watch this, okay? This is where we're getting ready to step into some things right now, okay? Are you ready for this? You're not ready, but I'm fixing to drop some gold on you. Every false yes... Okay, let me ask you this question first. Have you ever said yes on the outside, but on the inside, all of your guts were saying, no, no, don't agree to that. You don't have time for that. There's no way. You've already, and so on the outside, you've said yes, but your insides were saying no, and you knew intuitively that this was not going to end up well. Okay, only three of you. Okay, hear me, church, hear me. Every false yes, that's what I call a false yes. Your outsides are saying yes, but in your heart you know you should be saying no to that. Every false yes builds a level of resentment in your life. And now you find yourself resenting the people that ask you to do something when really it was your responsibility to say no in the first place. So you have said yes to something you got no business doing, and now you're, you're overcommitted, you're undersatisfied, you're overloaded, you're overwhelmed, and you're mad at that person, and you're frustrated at God. Well, where's the anointing? Wait a second. God's not going to anoint you to do something he never told you to do. Oh, y'all didn't like that, did you? But we do. We blame others. We blame God when really we have to have the power to step up and say no. You know, hey, I'd really like to, but I'm not at that season in my life. I can't commit to that. Can I have a good amen? You see, Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. You can say yes with confidence and no without guilt. 
I'm, I'm praying over some of you today that when, you, when there's an opportunity that comes in, in before you. Listen, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. If there's an opportunity that's in front of you, hey, we really need somebody to do, 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 do. You say, okay let, okay, let me get back with you on that. Lord, is this the time? Is this the season? Are you in this? God, if, you, if you're using this to stretch me so I can grow in my capacity, then I'll say yes. But, Lord, if you're not in it, okay, you're, okay. Hey, listen, love you. I don't think this is the best time for me right now. God bless you. You know what you've done? You have powerfully used that no to preserve your soul. Some of you, your schedules are full, but your soul is empty. Well, I didn't say all this stuff in the first service. Why are y'all pulling this stuff out of me? Because some of you have been saying yes way too long, and it has, been, it has been damaging to your spirit. And God's saying, listen, sometimes the best addition is a good subtraction. What are the things? Oh, come on, Holy Ghost. What are the things in your life that you're doing now that aren't bearing any fruit? If it's unfruitful, God says it's time to prune. And some of you, God's wanting to cut some things out. But wait a second, I've I've been doing this forever. But if it's not producing fruit, if it's not life-giving, then it's sucking the life out of you. You see, we've got to eliminate some things so we can elevate the best things. Let me ask you this question. What are the distractions that fill your day with activity but rob it of eternal purpose? Only you can identify those things. But I think God's talking to some people here about that. Number one, eliminate so you can elevate. Number two, oh, man, this point's not getting any better. Number two, organize so you don't agonize. Organize so you don't agonize. Listen, it's hard to change the world when you can't find your car keys. Come on, nod your head if you're with me. It's hard. I mean, listen, I know we got a great call of God on our life, but if internally your life is cluttered, you know they say statistically uh, uh, the average person spends an entire week out of the year looking for stuff they've lost. I mean, think about time wasted because you can't find a thing. Okay, can I step into something right here? All right, we, step with me. All right, here we go. And I'll start with the ladies. I'm not picking on the ladies, but ladies, I'm going to start with you. I wonder if there's one lady here this morning that in her preparation to get dressed said, I have nothing to wear. And the truth is, baby, listen, I love you. Your husband told me to tell you this. I love you. But the truth is, you got a lot to wear. You just can't find what you want because your closet is a mess. Got nothing to wear. I mean, I just don't have anything to wear. Yes, you do. You got a ton of stuff to wear. You just don't know where it is. Okay. Didn't go over well. Fellas, how many of you have a garage? (laughs) Man, if y'all come back next week, it'll be a miracle. I'm telling you. There's going to be a small group Bible study that me and Johnny and David Ray are going to have. (laughs) Fellas, how many of you have a garage 
And it was built with the intent of a vehicle being able to fit in that garage. But you need storage space, and so you got that garage filled with so much stuff that there's no way car trucks going in that garage. You've been on the parking pad for months, but you got a lot of stuff in there that you need to organize. Come on, smile at me, smile at me, smile at me. You see, organize or you'll agonize. Some of you, it's hard. You say, Pastor, why are you saying this? Because it's difficult for God to speak to a busy, cluttered, chaotic spirit. I'm not talking to you about just living neat, okay? I'll let your mama talk to you about that. How many of you, mama, said godliness or, or cleanliness is next to godliness? How many's heard that before? You know what? I've searched the Bible. It ain't in there. <laughs> mama, I love you, but you made that one up. I can't find that chapter or verse. I'm not saying you need to live cleaner, but the, the, the purpose of organizing is so that you can have inner quiet in your soul. Some of you, your internal world is upside down. Now, here's a biblical principle that I want to give you. I want you to see this. There's a pattern throughout Scripture. It starts with chaos, and then it moves to order, and it ends in blessing. Okay, write those words down. Write them all side by side, linear. Write chaos, draw an arrow, put order, draw another arrow, and then put blessing. In Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says, in the beginning, and how many of you remember that? In the beginning... There's something about the, the, the world was without form, and it was void. It was chaotic, and the Spirit hovered over the face of the deep. Okay, that's what your Bible says. There was chaos in the beginning, but the Holy Spirit hovered over chaos. Aren't you thankful for that? Lord, my world is chaotic, but your Spirit hovers over. So what has to happen? There has to be order. And God said, let there be let there be light. What did he do? He began to bring order out of chaos. And then we see this pattern in the creation account. And God said, and then he looked down and said, it is good. Do you see chaos, order, then blessing. God blessed it. And he said, what I've done this day is good. Nod your head if you remember that in the scriptures. Okay, okay now let's fast forward to the time of Noah. The Bible says that the earth was exceedingly wicked. The sinfulness of man was just out of control. It was chaotic. So God had to bring order. He gave some specific instructions to Noah. He said, you will build a boat, and it will be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 50 feet tall. It will have three decks. There were some specifics that God gave Noah. Out of chaos came order. And then 40 days and nights, nine months later, the waters recede. Here comes a rainbow, and the rainbow is the sign of God. It's the promise that he made to his people saying, never again will I... Will like uh, uh, destroy the world, world through a flood. Do you see chaos, order, blessing? Okay, now watch this. In the New Testament, Bible says that there was a miracle of Jesus feeding 5,000. That's the only miracle recorded in all four Gospels. But there's an interesting fact that I don't wonder if sometimes we overlook. In Mark chapter 6, verse 39, the Bible says, then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. We don't even pay attention to that fact. There's 5,000 men. There's probably 35,000 people, just, I mean, crazy chaos. And then Jesus says, you know what, let's bring some order to that. Sit them down in groups of 50. 
to a hundred. And then he took the fish and the loaves. He blessed it. He broke it. He gave it. And there were 12 baskets left over. There's the blessing. Now watch this. How do you get from chaos to blessing? There's got to be order. There's got to be organization. I've got to align. Watch this. Watch this. I need alignment before God releases me in my assignment. Alignment always comes before assignment. Some of you are trying to figure out, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? What's my assignment? What's my purpose? God's saying, listen, I'm trying to bring alignment first, and then I can release you in the power of your assignment. Can I have a good amen? Somebody say organize so you won't agonize. Okay, so now we eliminate some things so we can elevate We organize so we don't agonize. And then the last point, I want you to see this finally. Number three, focus so that you can flourish. Focus. Here is the reason why distraction is so dangerous. Because it keeps us from flourishing when we're focused on God. Luke Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Now get the scene here. Jesus is coming over. He's hanging out with 12. There's 13 guys that show up at your house unannounced, didn't send a text message asking if they could come. These guys don't know how to cook, got no jobs. They're hungry. Yeah, how many of you, if Jesus were coming over to your house today, might raise your blood pressure a few points? Oh, yeah. Well, wait, wait. we got to get things ready. Jesus is here. Jesus coming over the house. Oh, my goodness. There's a lot to be done. He's bringing the 12. Oh, man, what, what do we got in the pantry? What's in the refrigerator? Put that away. Let's get this thing going. Verse 40, but Martha was distracted, 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 She was distracted with much serving. Wait a second, Mike. Isn't it okay to serve? Aren't we called to to serve, to be servants? Let me tell you, distractions don't always appear evil. Sometimes they're disguised as good things that rob us from the best things. Sometimes good things will rob you from the best things. She was distracted with much serving. She went up to Jesus and she says, Lord, Don't you care that my sister has left me here to serve alone? Tell her to get off of her blessed assurance. Sorry, that's my translation there. Tell her to get up and help me. I need help. Now, listen, Martha gets a bad rap here. I feel for this lady. Because, man, if Jesus is coming over to your house, you're going to get busy. You got to set the environment. You got to make sure everything is right. I mean, come on. This is Jesus, the Son of God. What does he tell her? Verse 41 The Lord answered her and said, Martha, Martha. Martha, Martha. Anytime you see a repetition in Scripture, Jesus saying things to reinforce it, what's he trying to do? He's trying to get our attention. Atten- Martha, 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 whoa, 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 slow slow down, slow your roll. Martha, you are anxious. You're troubled about so many things, but only one thing. Somebody say one thing. 
One thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. What is Jesus doing? He's getting Martha's attention. He's saying, okay, listen, you're scattered. There's chaos. Man, you know, you, you've gotten off the wall. You've invited some craziness into your world. Let me bring you back into focus. There's one thing. There's one thing that really matters. You see, some of you are caught up in the chaos of the kitchen. And God says, you're missing the blessing that's at my feet. There's a blessing at the feet of Jesus. There's only one thing that matters. Why are we chasing all these other things, trying to fill our life with stuff? Some of you are overcommitted and undersatisfied. Your, your to-do list is growing, but your heart is shrinking. And the word of the Lord to you today is, forget the craziness of the kitchen. Get back to the blessings that are at his feet. You see, we live in a Martha world. Busy, fast, furious, chaotic, crazy, a lot going on. That's the Martha world. But we've got to have a Mary spirit. A, a Mary spirit in a Martha world that says, you know what? There's one thing that matters most. And if I don't get anything right in life, let me get that one thing right. It's about Jesus. Paul said in Philippians 3, he said, but this one thing I do. One thing. He didn't say 40 things that I dabble in. He said this one thing that I do. I'm forgetting the things that are behind me. I'm letting go of some stuff in the past. I got to reach out to, to my future. I got to grab hold of him. This one thing I do. The psalmist David said in Psalm 27, 4, but this one thing I desire. One thing have I asked of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon his beauty and to meditate in his temple. This one thing I ask for. Let me ask you this. What's your one thing? And has it been lost in a clutter of so many things? See, the devil would love to neutralize the power of God's spirit in you by getting you busy and by being distracted. But I think this topic today can get you back on point. What do you need to eliminate? What do you need to elevate? What's the clutter that God's saying, mm, I need to bring some organization and alignment here? Is Jesus your one thing? If he's not, he can be today. That, that's the most important thing. Can I have a good amen? You receive that today? Come on, put your hands together if you believe that today. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.